Welcome to the Way of the Emotional Warrior podcast. Where we investigate how to master and harness the energy of our emotions to regain our power, vitality, confidence, and quality of life. There are tons of websites, books, videos, and courses that speak about changing your thoughts and mindset. You know, three steps to this, nine tips for that. Old school personal development told us that all of our blocks come from the brain and our thinking process. However, new research proves that our thinking and decision making actually comes from our emotions. After all, emotions are energy in motion. Emotions drive our money decisions, life choices, relationships, and even our health and fitness. Having the life of freedom and joy that we all crave requires that we first master our emotional center. Welcome to The Way of the Emotional Warrior. All right, welcome to another episode of The Way of the Emotional Warrior. Today, I have a very special guest with me, a former student, now master of her domain. So, Heather, tell them who you are. Welcome. Well, thank you so much. He'll, you'll always be Mr. Ennis, so I can't get away from that. It's Mr. Ennis. Um, my name is Heather Noon. I'm now, I'm a psychiatrist. I'm a board certified adult psychiatrist. I'm a board certified child and adolescent psychiatrist. So I, um, right now I'm doing, I work full time outside of the home. I'm an inpatient psychiatrist, um, which means that I, I went to the University of Miami for neuroscience, studied neuroscience. And then um, I went to medical school at the University of South Florida to study medicine, always thinking, always um, wanting to do psychiatry. Hmm. And um, then I did, I did my residency at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. And I went on to do a fellowship in child adolescent psychiatry, um, same at MUSD in Charleston. I worked um, for five years. I was in a group practice in Northern California in Monterey. Um, doing not, about 90% children and adolescent outpatient, um, some inpatient work. I worked in the jails as well. I did some competency to stand trial work, um, <laughs> some taking care of inmates in the jails. It was telework before telework was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it was great. Then you didn't get spit on in the jail. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> there was less bodily fluids being slung at you. <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> um, if you are into that thing, don't do telework for jails. If you're not into that newly, thing, I was go, go, go. You know, telework might be for you. Newly married, I was um, working and then, easily 80 hours, 100 hours a week, yeah. taking call every day on the weekends because I was, that is my personality is if the opportunity comes by, yes, I can do that. Or yeah, I know I could, I know I'd be good at that. Let me try it. Or that is, sounds challenging to me. I really just let me get in there. Let me get in the jail, throw feces on me. Let me see what happens. I can do this. And, um, and then I, I had this pattern of that would be to my detriment and I would take on too much. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we were talking about, you know, kind of the ups and downs when you're, when you're doing really well and, you know, you're plugging along and you're taking on so much and then it just becomes really heavy or that, you know, the wave goes down and then you're left holding all these things you signed up to do and it yeah. becomes even heavier. And so I was already really low at a low point getting burned out um, where I was located in, in Northern California. 
I, it was really me. It was, there were no therapists, there were no social workers. Um, I was it for a lot of people. Um, there was, there was one other child psychiatrist on the peninsula. Um, and, um, he ended up getting murdered. Like it was a really bad place oh. to work. And <laughs> it's just mm. not to be macabre, right? Um, so I wanted to have a family. Again, we talked a lot about being a woman in medicine um, or, or ha- being a woman and having a full-time outside the home job. You know, I'm of the generation I was told my whole life, not only can you do everything, you're expected to do everything. Mm. Um, don't, you know, get married, that's fine, but don't don't lean too hard on other people. People are going to disappoint you. Mm. Um, you know, or, you know, make sure that you can do it on your own in case you have to one day kind of messages. Um, so I made sure that I could, um, again, a lot of times to my detriment, um, I became pregnant with my oldest son, who's now five. And I really wanted, um, a job that I could uh, be a mom. I I wanted to be the best mom, right? Because I wanted to be the best, the best at everything. Um, and, and I, and I didn't see how I could do that both. Um, and then what it comes down to is what, what's more important to me. What am I going to, you know, at the end of the day, my last day, what am I going to look back and say, um, you know, what was the most important thing that I did? And then I was pregnant and I really wanted to have a family. I really wanted to have kids and that's common for women in medicine. And, and, but there wasn't really a way that I knew to do that successfully. Um, so I told the medical director, I said, you know, I'm pregnant, I'm going to need some time off. And he told me that that was bad. And I was disappointing a lot of people. So I quit on the spot. Nice. (laughs) And I said, well, I can make this a whole lot worse for you. I'm not coming back. Mm. Um, this is California. Yeah. Yeah. Then I had to go home and tell my husband that I I quit. (laughs) Um, So I didn't have a job or health insurance and I was pregnant and my husband wasn't working. He just got out of the military and he was going to school for his master's, but you know, I was the breadwinner. I, you know, talking about connections and the people that you meet in life, I, um, Dr. Catalano is one of the doctors here that I work with. And I called him up and I said, do you have anything for me? Do you remember me from eight years ago? I'm scared, alone, pregnant, Mm -hmm. help me. Um, And I think that was the, one of the first times that, you know, I learned, you know, being vulnerable and figuring out what you want and asking for what you want can help. Yeah. So that was it. We sold the house, the big house, the car we had, you know, we were rolling with the big dogs. You know, we were across the street from Pebble Beach, you know, the Concourse de Elegance, all the fancy cars. And that just, you know, that wasn't, you know, I didn't have any friends. Mm-hmm. I couldn't connect with anybody. Um, it just wasn't authentic to who I was and it just wasn't working for me. Um, made a lot of money, but mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it wasn't um, meaningful, meaningful work. 
so I, um, yeah, so I started working on the inpatient unit and, and again, I really, I really like it for the most part. Um, and I get to teach again, I have students and residents and, um, yeah, it's great. We see people that are in the hospital that are in crisis. Um, you know, a lot of people wanting to end their lives and then just working on that with them and trying to find purpose and find that passion because usually when they come to me, they've lost it for whatever reason, but then it's that added pressure on myself where, you know, if I don't have it, I'm not going to be able to help someone find theirs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I see you, sweetie. You can listen to the podcast, but listen with your ears. <laughs> <laughs> you can put them to sleep with it every night. <laughs> right. Yeah. Ooh, some bedtime stories, neuroscience. All right. So a couple questions that have come to my mind. One is you mentioned for yourself vulnerability, becoming vulnerable and asking for help. And... Yes, being vulnerable. One of the things that I think would be quite interesting for the listeners is are there, are there reasons that you've seen in your experience, personal or professional, why people choose not to be vulnerable? In other words, why is that so difficult for us? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and again, it's one that I've personally struggled with. Um, and one thing that I was told that at one point in my life that really stuck with me is that, um, you know, and, and we talk a lot about the dialectical things and two seemingly opposite appearing things can coexist at the same time. And that is a concept that I do keep in the forefront of my mind being that you can be well and unwell at the same time. Mm. And I think that, you know, when you're, everybody has a role that they need to be strong in. So whether you're a parent, that's a big one. Um, whether you're a caretaker, uh, you know, a disabled family member, an elderly family member, a sick family member, um, and you're seen as the strong one the one that has it all together or the one that, um, that people are leaning on for support. If you have a job, you know, medicine is um, a very stressful profession. Being an educator is a very stressful profession, especially during a pandemic, navigating mm -hmm. what to do with kids, how to yeah. get kids educated. Um, you know, you guys are the boots on the ground that see kids, day in and day out, you know, more about what's going on in their lives sometimes than their families do mm -hmm. because you have the FaceTime with them. Um, you know, so again, everyone has a role that um, they are the strong person for. So again, for me as a mom, you know, as a caretaker, as a physician, especially a physician in mental health, um, societally for you to step up and say, actually, I'm not doing well. Yeah. You know, if you're the top and everything is underneath of you and could fall. Um, and, and we talked about, you know, being practical and having tools mm -hmm. and speaking up and doing something again before 
you're really underwater mm-hmm. because then it, right, it's not going to get easier to say I'm struggling or I need to take a step back or just to say no to an additional project or, you know, once you're way under and drowning and then you, it becomes even harder because you're like, well, well, I shouldn't have said yes to that, or I shouldn't have had this other kid, or I shouldn't have offered to help them when I didn't have that in me at the time, right? It's not going to get easier to backtrack from that. So, mm-hmm. right, we talked about, right, knowing yourself and, right, finding out, you know, these markers where, where you're kind of in the middle and being able to say, you know, I'm kind of, I'm starting to fall down or I'm starting to slip and learning the tools to help prop yourself back up because, you know, we always tell parents, you know, mostly parents, but people, you can't, you know, what do they tell you to put the oxygen mask on first in an airplane? They tell you Mm -hmm. to put it on yourself and then put it on your child because you can't help someone else if you're, if you can't breathe, if you're drowning. Um, But saying those words and walking that walk and practicing it are two very different things. Sure. I regurgitated that for years before I even had kids. I was like, who are these people that listen to me? That was terrible advice. (laughs) But I mean, it's good advice. I just never used it. So, um, but now, yeah, now I use it. So. What do you do now? Like, how do you catch yourself now? I mean, you're doing two shifts. That's, that's a lot. I mean, besides probably whatever else you're doing on top of that. So, you know, yes, multitasking, that's great, but it's, that's more putting out fires, I think, than living directly from your source, your own source, you know, of whatever it is that you are. So what do you do now? Like, what's, what's your tool bag right now as, as an adult? It, it's, it's getting better. It's chiseled. It's chiseled down. Um, a big thing and I've never been a workout person or a fitness guru, um, but regularly working out, mm-hmm. regularly working out. Um, I go to Orange Theory. That's my big thing. But, and I usually do the 5 a.m. class, which is painful. Wow. But, but, and it, you know, a lot of trial and error. But if I get up at 4.30, as painful as that sounds, I work out from five to six. That is my time and no one can take that away. If I miss it, that's on me. I slept in or I can't even say I wasn't motivated because I don't even wait to be motivated anymore because that's a very bad thing to wait for. You just Mm. have to do it. Um, Right. You know, my husband will say, well, I don't, I don't feel like doing that. I'm like, well, you're married to a psychiatrist, so you just need to do the dishes. (laughs) Don't wait nice. till the spirit moves you. Just empty yeah. the dishwasher. Spirit's never going to move you, babe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. There are yeah. just things, and, and and I read a lot about habit building and habit stacking and things like that, and you know, falling in love with lacing up my shoes at four forty-five on the stairs. I, I get it. I love it now. Woo. Yeah. But it's. So that when you do start to fall, you know, for example, this weekend, there was a death in my family. I'm sorry. In Miami for the funeral, right? It was, it was like, whoa, 
traveling with two toddlers in the car. It, it's one of those, just get in the car. We got to go. We got to be there kind of thing. We get in late last night, midnight, you know, my face is all puffy. I'm like, you know, why do these things happen? And I had my class scheduled already this morning. I dragged my sad, sorry ass to fitness class. There you go. You know, and, and I talk about this a lot of people at class because it, and the world, you know this, the world is built on relationships. Mm-hmm. It just is. Yeah. Don't feel like working out. I don't care. You're meeting, you know, I know the coach. And if I miss that class, she's going to call me because she knows that something is wrong. Cause I usually don't miss, mm-hmm. but it, but again, it's being vulnerable and letting people in and saying, I can, I can be a good mom and be having a bad day. I can be sad. That's part. It's a feeling on the feelings wheel. You just, there it is. It's not, it's not bad. It's it's not something you need to avoid or drug away or drink away or shop away Mm -hmm. or caffeine away. My drug of choice. Um, It just, just take it. Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, Brene Brown is sort of the guru of vulnerability work. And I don't know if you ever had a chance to look at it. She's amazing. She's absolutely phenomenal in what she's discovered. She's still practicing medicine. So they, um, you know, what they found in one of her famous lines is show me a man that has done the work and I'll show you a man that's vulnerable. Like it's, you know, they, I don't know if, this is different for men than it is for women. I, I don't know if we can say that, you know, in, in terms of reality. I, I don't mean politically correct. I'm saying is is there truth to that, that we experience this all differently? I mean, I just know for me personally, it was always a fight against what was expected from me by society and what parents had taught me. So there was this whole loop of expectations. And that all of a sudden turned into how does that tie into who I want to be and am? But like you said, I mean, you know, you wanted to excel. You wanted to be at the top. I remember that. Your personality really hasn't changed that much because I remember this about you. Now, now that this this child is here in front of me, I remember, you know, you have lots of, of changeable moments in your life. But, you know, I had a C-section with him and I remember laying there on the table and the light was above me so I could see I don't think I was supposed to see my reflection oh nice of the like the inside like you shouldn't be seeing the inside yeah. you know of your body I looked over my husband I was like I'm watching he goes I don't think I don't think you're meant to be watching <laughs> but it's I don't even know how I got here but one of those moments right as a woman where you are expected to do it all and you're expected to I was very lucky I took it was unpaid at the time but I took 12 weeks after I had him I I I could have taken 12 years and still never have felt ready mm-hmm. you know but then it's you know learning the balance of um right wanting to be good at everything and just running out of time in the mm-hmm. day reminds me of so now I'm raising two boys mm-hmm as a woman, a psychiatrist. And one of the funniest stories as you know, I think one of the hardest things is teaching your kids how to swim. Cause it's really scary. Yeah. 
And their teacher, who I love, Miss Emma, we love you. We love you. Don't get us off your schedule. But remember, her, at first, her, her style was very, like, my kid was crying and screaming. And he, because he was, he was literally swallowing water mm-hmm. and drowning. And she was screaming at him. And she was like, you know, again, not in a mean way, but she was like, don't cry. Don't be sad. You're really tough. And I was like, don't say that to my kid, you know, and like Momzilla came out, but he spoke for himself because I was, I had trained him and he goes, my mom said I'm allowed to be sad. I just have to learn to swim. (laughs) So I think right at a very young age, it's easy to repeat those messages to our kids. And again, for me, I have two boys, so it's that message that society gives to boys is be tough or don't show sadness or sadness is weakness. I found myself repeating that because that's what I was told. And I was like, wait a minute, you know? So I think parenting is very challenging for lots of reasons, but you're not, I don't want to say re-traumatizing, but a lot of the things you have to relive and make choose to make changes which is difficult because you know if you don't know any other way that's probably what you're going to pass on so you know what did I see sometimes it said um you know trauma ran in my family until it ran into me or anxiety ran in my family until it ran into me or depression Mm -hmm. ran in my family until it ran into me I mean it simplifies you know genetic loading um but I think the point is that if you can learn about it and recognize it in yourself, then maybe you can, you know, give your kids something different or a better uh, way to do things than you were taught. I think there's something very difficult about being able to say that I'm going to move away or past our own, my own parents, right? The parent, it, it, it gets this sort of sacrilegious place. I don't know if that's the right word, but it gets, it gets this, this place of perfection where we say, Hey, that's, that's how it was since we can remember. Right. And all of a sudden you have to maybe challenge that, not them necessarily, but for you, is that how you want to live? And I thought that was for me, a pretty long drawn out process to be able to maneuver into my own way of believing and thinking and quite often I defended the other because that's what I thought you were supposed to do. And you defend it with a lot of energy for, at the end of the day, no really good reason, but you don't know that. Again, you know, life is a, it's not just about going to work. It's about actually discovering who you are. And I think that's not so easy for, at least it hasn't been that easy for me. It's a, but it's fun. It's a, when you walk away from it and you get, you know, as you get older, you kind of go, mm, yeah, I remember when I was that. And I remember when I did that. And I remember now I want to do that differently, but all right, let's just for one second. Yeah. I was going to say, you have to put your ego aside and be okay with not being right. And, and that's difficult. Well, the ego doesn't enjoy that process. The ego (laughs) wants to (laughs) tear you down. It's, it's, um, let's, let's talk for one second about your neuroscience a little bit. What it, if, if you had to, I don't know if summarize is the right concept, but if you had to, say, hey, I really gained this 
from that that whole sector. Like this is what neuroscience, I mean, there's obviously the daily lessons and all that that you went through, but what would you say is your overall takeaway from that experience of studying neuroscience? Is it what? I think a lot of what drew me to it and I, and I think what a lot of maybe medical students maybe don't choose it, but the part of it that I really like is how much we don't know. Mm. Um, and if, if you're, you know, as a scientist, or I think just as a human being, we want to, it's very satisfying to look at an x-ray, look at a lab value and say, oh, oh, okay, well, it's, this antibiotic would work, and right, you, it's a very crisp mm-hmm. problem solving. Yes. Um, which is satisfying in its own way. But then I think with neuroscience and psychiatry, it's a lot of art to it, mm. a lot of, um, a lot of things we don't know. I mean, just all that, you know, has changed in the last 20 years. Neuroscience is, and again, in working with patients, I, I tell my students, I say, don't just do something, sit there, talk to them, ask them questions. You don't have to have the answer today, but as you know, very competitive medical students, they want, mm-hmm. they just want to know, right? Like right. I did in high school, like I would just want to know. Right. Um, right. But you're passionate. Um, but it, right. It's, it's humbling to say, well, I'm not sure. It's interesting yeah. that what you know is that you don't know. That's a, that's a great answer. I love it. <laughs> oh, long, I don't know. It's, it's yeah. a lot of room, right? A lot of room to grow. Have you, yeah. is there a, a case that kind of stands out where you say, wow, that was, that was a real good reason why I got into this field. Is there, an, I mean, I know you can't talk about specifics, but is there something where you would say that, that, that was a win as to why I did this. Yeah, I can think. Um, yeah, it's funny when you say a win and my brain immediately went to the loss. You know, I had one person commit suicide after they were discharged from my service. So it's just weird that my brain went there. But again, you know, people are put in our paths for, um, you know, at different times at the right times to teach us the right things. Um, and so I think, you know, that loss was my, was a win for me because it, you know, we talked about having a moment where you take a step back and, you know, maybe you're at the top of your game or you're, you're just kind of on autopilot and you're thinking about, Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, I, I think I've got this job under on my belt, or maybe I think that there's nothing left for me to learn, or maybe I think that, um, you know, I'm the best psychiatrist here. I don't think that, but, um, you, you just, you know, get a little, a little cocky maybe, um, 
But man, if one of your patients kills themselves. Yeah. Wow. Yep. You got to take a minute. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, but. You should. <laughs> you, yeah, if you don't, that's a problem. Yeah. Then you probably need more than a You need a, like two or three minutes. Yeah. So, right. And, and that is, uh, that's the people profession. That's working with people is to always be reminded of you could give them all the tests in the world. You could ask all the right questions and that person is going to do what they're going to do. There's no way to tell if someone's lying. There's no way to tell what news they're going to get the minute they walk off of your unit Mm. Um, or, you know, if they're going to do something impulsive or if they're going to relapse or there's just, you just don't know. So, but all you can do is write the the best in that moment and document the hell out of it. Mm. Um, And, and just say, you know, I got to know that person or, I did what I was trained to do and, but that's, yeah, that's humbling. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's that person's journey and they're going to say what they want to say or what they need to say to get out of the hospital and do what they have their mindset to do maybe. Mm -hmm. So. Thank you, Dr. Heather. Thank you for spending your time with us. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said that as human beings, we enjoy to some degree learning from others. Sometimes it's better to learn by doing it yourself. I think you put, you know, you put your, what I remember from you, you put it forward saying, I'm going to go do this and you put yourself in there. And from what I'm gathering, you still, you know, with kids and everything else, you're trying to do the best job that you can do. And I think that's a noble effort on behalf of, being a human being on this planet, having these experiences. So kudos to you as an emotional warrior. Thanks again. Hey, thank you for sharing your time with us today. We would like to know what your thoughts are on today's topic. Please join the conversation on www.kyennis.com and at Instagram at Way of the Emotional Warrior. So have a great day and be well.